Once I had a pretty girl. Her name, it doesn't matter. She ran away with another guy. Now you won't even look at her. Hats off to Larry. He broke your heart. Just like you broke mine when you said we must part. You're telling you lies, now it's your turn to cry Now that Larry said goodbye to you I know this may sound strange I want you back, I think you'll change There's one more thing I gotta say Hats off to Larry, you're so cruel You laughed at me when you said we were through Entering Purple Tear with the thought of another lockdown, I'm Schmitty, and this is Talking Schmidt. It's episode 99, and the wait is over. Actually, hold on. Before we get started, I'd like to put up another sticker. Hold on. From Kansas City, going up right next to our new friends in Dallas at the Point Skate Shop. Thank you to all you shops that have been sending me stickers on the regs. DM me if you need an address. I'd love to get you up there. NJ, thanks for the shirt. Anyhow, today we have a life hammer. This is fucking Mofo, the OG motherfucker uh, from Thrasher Magazine's origin story. You can't even go close without bringing Mofo into the picture. He did many things for the first, second, third, including Skate Rock Volume 1. Mofo and I worked together down in the dungeon for quite some time and I got to see his son Diego grow up and uh, those days were very interesting to say the least but it was really cool getting to meet somebody that I looked up to as a kid and read his articles and pages and now at episode 99 I get to bring them to you all and I know you've all had a tough year this year 2020 but what I'd like to do is offer you a free GoPro. You ready? All you got to do, it's so goddamn easy that if you don't do it, 
I don't know why you're not doing it. Email talkingschmidt at gmail.com and give me your number one favorite episode of 2020. I want to have a podcast awards and I want to have a people's choice award winner go to all you that email me your favorite episode. After I get those emails for the 100th episode with that guy that we know who's going to be on the 100th episode, I will pick one lucky winner out of a hat for the brand new GoPro 12. That's one, two. Anyhow, do yourself, do myself, do us all a favor. Please email me ASAPFerg. That's talkingschmidt at gmail.com. Number one episode between 53 and 100. Which one was your favorite? We had Ronnie Sandoval. We had Andy Roy. We had Jason Jesse. We had Brian Brannon, Tim Kerr. I mean, the list is, without tapping my shoulder too hard, pretty impressive, I'd say. So anyhow... That's one last time, talkingschmidt at gmail.com. You can go to talkingschmidt.com to see all the episodes that we've done, and you could just pick a random out of the hat. I don't care. Just email me who you think should win the People's Choice Award for 2020 on Talking Schmidt. Okay? Have I said enough? Have I said enough? Uh, that opening song was Diego. Mofo's son. Hold on, let me uh, let me read this to you because it's pretty cool. I asked Mofo like, "What's the background on that song?" And he says, "He told me this. This is what he told me, and I'm telling it to you." He says, "That's a Del Shannon cover. I had Diego with us in the studio the night before he and I rehearsed it for about a half hour." I told him I wanted to make a version with him doing lead vox for his mom for Mother's Day. Only had time for one take. He nailed it. I think he was 13 years old. Diego, big love. I remember you pushing your Tonka toys around the office. But now that you're older and you can appreciate what we're about to talk about, here he is, kids. The original motherfucker himself, Morizen Fosche. This is Mofo, and you're listening to Talkin' Schmidt. It's cool, like tonight is the night. Here we go again. Just give it the old cause turn. Right All big dogs in. Schmitty. 96 times, Schmitty. Thanks, Schmitty. We on? Schmitty. Talkin' Schmidt. That's probably going to the hospital, bitch. I be <laughs> shit my pants. Yeah, Robodex is fucking deep. It's about the one, the one, the one. Who is this guy thinks he's tough shit? What's up? We're tastemakers. Come on, Smitty, what the fuck? Let's hear it for Greg Smith. Yeah! I'm down here right next to the ramp in San Francisco, and this is episode 99, and I'm with MoFo. So listen up. 
I'm a little nervous, to be honest, because I don't really have any questions. We're just going to freestyle this because I've known Mo for a long time, and away we're going to go. Mo, how you doing? Pretty good. Not too <laughs> bad. It's a nice day in San Francisco. Hell yes. We're going to go right into this. We're going to start out with, where, you, where were you born? Palo Alto, Stanford University Hospital. Ah, I didn't know that. Yep. All right, 650. I was born in Redwood City. Uh -huh. <laughs> and then uh, where, where'd you grow up? Um, mostly in Southern California, North County, North San Diego County, in a town called Escondido. Oh, Escondido? Yep. That's where Jehovah is. What brought you to skateboarding? Well, dusting off some old uh, wooden clay wheel type boards that we found at the Goodwill for like 50 cents. And we rode them around the, the elementary school and then kind of, you know, cooked around with those for a little while and then kind of hung them up. And then suddenly we discovered there was these things called fiberglass boards and, and urethane wheels. And then we discovered there was a skateboard magazine and so we started looking at that and um, a lot of guys uh, would go skateboard over at the, I think the Avocado Bowl or whatever it was out by Escondido High School. And I, I didn't skate in it because at the time I had just had knee surgery. And, uh, but I would go there and watch my friends skate. Um, these two guys that I grew up with from kindergarten in which we went to in 1965 um and we'd known each other up through junior high and and uh in high school and so they would go out there in uh, one of their brother's uh minivan all oh, these two guys named rex and javi um and uh so we would go out there and they would just these guys would be scooting around in that little bowl. Um, and then I saw uh, Ty Page. He was there. And that was like the first pro skater I ever saw. And he was like doing nose wheelies around there and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm like, oh, I saw that guy in the magazine. It's like, wow, this is cool. This is cool. You know, and I sat there and I tried to draw pictures of it. But I, I discovered I can't draw pictures of people moving around. It didn't work. <laughs> so I just sat there with my, with my crutches and, and, and watched. Uh, and then um, we would uh, take weekend little jaunts out to uh, San Alejo State Beach from Escondido. We would take uh, the back roads um, and ride our 10 speeds out there with backpacks and whatever, you know, at, at some cheap ass tube tent kind of thing. And we go out there and there'd be one or two locals that were around there on these homemade uh, um, fiberglass boards with all the fiber hanging out. And these guys are like barefoot and they're trying to you know they're impressing the chicks you know they're there talking and they'd be scratching their feet really hard because it itch <laughs> and uh, and i was like looking at that and i went man this is cool because like all the chicks that were camping out around there um 
we're, we're digging it. You know, you know, these guys, I mean, loose bearing wheels with like Chicago trucks and uh-huh. like power paws or something. And like what years is this? This would be like 74, maybe 75. Uh-huh. Um, just cool. getting out of junior high, getting into high school. Um, and then, uh, I ended up moving. My, my dad retired from the Navy. He was stationed at, at Miramar. And so, um, we moved up to San Jose where my mom's family is from. So I'm like going to high school there and meet a couple guys that are skateboarders, uh, that are in my photography class. And uh, one of the guys goes, yeah, man, I was in Skateboarder Magazine and 50 Hot Kids. And, and this guy was, um, they called him Stone Toes because he gorilla gripped. Uh, okay. His name is David Gula. But he was telling me about this trip that he did um, uh, at some KOA camp or something like that the, the summer before. And uh, he goes, yeah, man, I met some some people from Escondido. I was out, uh, you know, skateboarding around here and these girls and, and uh, there was one girl named Norma Jean Lowe. And I'm like, holy shit, I know her. I've known her since kindergarten. And <laughs> as a matter of fact, I was out at a beach party right before I left to come up. And she told about meeting some skateboarders that were from San Jose. <laughs> and that, and that was you guys. Yeah, like, fuck, that's weird. And then from there, I got to know those guys, and they knew a guy who, he, he was a bus driver in San Jose, and he had some sort of accident on the job and hurt his back really bad, so he had some sort of uh, uh, disability. He took him to court or whatever, so he had a whole bunch of money. He decided he wanted to make skateboards. So he would be making skateboards in his garage, and he made um, all of the Pegasus skateboards that, um, uh, oh, what was that skate shop that was up in um, Los Gatos, or Camp, I think Los Gatos or something, I forget what. Uh, there was Ghost Skate and Sessions. Before all of that. This was like, this was like in 76, 77. <laughs> I'm trying, yeah, uh, the name escapes me. But anyway, they, they had their own shop model. It was the Pegasus board that we made. And this guy, his name was Maori, so he made Maori boards. And, and we actually made <clears throat> one of the first half pipes. Oh, really? Yeah, very early half pipe. And took it out uh, to this parking lot where we had a contest in San Jose. And the thing was that A half of a pipe with masonite on it but with the smooth side down because the logic was traction yeah yeah that burned a lot of people so we have the contest there was no deck no lip just went up and that was the end of the masonite um it had the contest blackheart won I mean, it was sketchy as all hell. Did you know Blackheart at the time or not yet? No, it was the first, one of the first times I run into him. And, and he, he and KT and Weston and 
fly um, those guys were kind of a crew that would show up at you know at different places they show up in the car and come out like oh fuck okay let's let's sit down <laughs> get out of their way just watch those guys right because they're gonna knock you out of the way anyway it was always a treat to see you know those guys and and uh, Blackheart, you know, bigger than life. Yeah. You know, lots of charisma, that guy, and, and character, <laughs> and energy. Uh -huh. <laughs> and this is kind of before you are really into photography? You're just taking oh, classes well, at this time? I, um, yeah, I took uh, classes at photography at high school because I had done all the art class all the art classes that they had there at that school i had already completed and then some at the, the school i was at before so i'm like oh, no, i already done this i did this i did this they, well how about photography shit we got to put you somewhere uh -huh. okay i'll try that you know and so i would, took a few skateboard photos out at winchester um uh, early role i shot at uh Los Altos pool. I got a shot of Blackheart from there and put a couple shots in the early Thrasher magazine. These are some of your first photos you're shooting. Like yeah. After kind of knowing like what an aperture is and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Rad. Well, okay. I heard of apertures. I didn't have them. <laughs> well, I mean, you took uh, a class that year. Yeah. They told me what it was. I just hadn't quite figured it out so good yet. Uh -huh. um, but lucky for me that though I. I guessed the right setting. <laughs> what camera were you? What was your first camera? That was a, a Canon FTB. Whoa, I've never even heard of that one. Yeah. I had the EOS one. And, oh, yeah, this EOS. is before that. Okay. Um, and it had a, a, and a 50 millimeter lens. It was like really fast. Maybe 1.5 or whatever, because I'm like, couldn't understand why. I've, that camera could take great pictures, but these other ones didn't. Right. And I didn't know it was a dumbass lens, you know. Did you early on kind of build a formula in your head, like I have to shoot at least one five hundredth of a second or one two fiftieth or something like that to make sure it's like, you know, capturing and not blurry and, uh, and those kind of things? Eventually that, <laughs> but I did a lot of like, Oh, here comes a photo. I'm like, spin this knob this way, and I'll spin this knob that way. Oh, and the next was... picture, I'll spin it back, and whatever it lands on, that's what it's going to be. Okay. More and like then Wheel I of Fortune. A, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and then after a while, I'm like going, oh, uh, it didn't always work. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't always work. And then I started getting dialed in. Well, after Thrasher started... Uh, shooting color then i had was getting some because i was shooting a lot of tri-x and and uh plus and x white. and stuff yeah right. for the early stuff but then you know i was still trying to figure all that stuff out you know fausto and eric those guys told me they go hey man just pretend you know <laughs> walk into some place like you own the place even though you've never been there before okay so you know i kept that pretty much my mantra <laughs> on a lot of other stuff, you know. How did you end up meeting uh, Fausto and Eric and them? At Winchester, when uh, they had the 
Fly built that uh, big uh, keyhole in the back, the pink keyhole, and there were like the Hester series stuff was coming up. And this was like around 77, 78, I think. Wait, yeah, something like that, because I was still in high school. And I'd go there at night in the evening and watch the guys sessioning, getting the bowl wired and all that stuff. I mean, back then it was, it was kind of cool. What, you know, people just sessioned it for about a week or two before getting it dialed. Not like what happened later was like, okay, you got like organized practice and right. like, what? <laughs> you got a half an hour to, like, what the fuck you guys? Fuck, this is skateboarding. Right. Not the NFL, not the fucking Boy Scouts. But I met Fausto, Eric, Novak, and Sherman. I remember Sherman got a Sharpie and drew all over, he grabbed my head and he drew all over my sunglasses. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? And then he got a button, like those little you know, fan little buttons, little yeah. one-inch things with a little, little uh, poker thing. And then he stuck it into my forehead. Let's see how tough you are. Okay. What are you going to do? <laughs> okay. So I walked around for a while with a big old button on my forehead. But then, you know, I got to, you know, meet Fausto and and Eric, mainly, and I got to know Novak pretty pretty good. Right. So what was I? Know, I don't know much about Sherman though. He used the S in NHS, right? Yeah. And what was he a a, a partner with Novak and? Yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, I, I mean, I was like eighteen. I didn't, you know, thought more about trying to get laid than <laughs> and and getting people to buy me beer. Right. Um. Okay. But, but you know, I, I just knew that there were these guys. Yeah. And then I heard that, you know, Sherman had passed away or whatever. Uh. But um, Fausto and Eric were up because they were the indie guys. And right. so indie was, you know, starting to, to happen. And then um, the weekend of uh, the competition, the Clash were playing in... Um, San Francisco at uh, Kizar Pavilion. Oh, shit. And uh, Dead Kennedy's opening and the Cramps and then the Clash. Damn. So That's all time. So Olsen and, and T.A. and Mark Baker and Tim Lockfelt, they wanted to go up to the show. Yeah. So, you know, I had a low rider and they were like going, dude, you're the resident punk rocker up here and show us what's going on. I'm like, you guys think that? Okay, well, fuck, okay. I'm the ambassador. <laughs> I'm ambassadoring now. Yeah. So we had a case of beer and I think the whole inside of my, I had a, a 67 Grand Prix lowered, primer gray, loud. <laughs> fast um, so we were all in there and I'm trying to drive up to the city and they're like dog piling jumping over the seats the whole 
inside of the car was coated in beer. There was, I mean, it was like mayhem. Right. I'm like, all right, this is cool. I'm ambassador. <laughs> and that's what happens. Um, so anyway, we get to the, um, uh, to the show. Mark Baker doesn't have any money. Mark Baker still owes me $10. <laughs> Hear that, Mark? You can PayPal me or Venmo me. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, I paid for him to get in. Actually, no, I think it was like $7 to get in. It, it was cheap. So they go, come on, man. I'm like, all right. So they go, we'll follow you. So I'm like walking down the aisle, my elbows sticking out big on the sides and just creating a big path for everybody to follow behind me. And we go all the way down there and keep going all the way up to the front. I mean, there's people dancing around. There's a big crowd, and I just knocked them out of the way, and, you know, trying to impress Tony Alva and Olsen. Man, they're legends. I've got to show them up. Norteño, man, we fuck shit up <laughs> in the punk rock way. Right. So we do that, and we get all the way up to the stage. And then now what are we going to do? I don't know. Let's just walk back <laughs> and knocking people out of the way. And then we were standing standing around, and then we run into uh, Fausto and, and uh, his wife, Gwen. They were at the show? They were at the show. And Bowman was there and Salba. And I guess they came with uh, Fausto or something. And Gwen had, poor, poor Gwen, she had open-toed shoes. You know, she was dressed like perfect. Uh, I mean, for a fancy dinner. For going out to dinner. <laughs> um, but, I mean, she was hot. I think she might have even had hot pants on. But, you know, she had like strapped, open-toed, high-heeled shoes. And, you know, surrounded by skateboarders. And then, uh, so these Dead Kennedys were playing. They were just about finishing. Jello got his clothes ripped off and he got thrown in on top of the crowd. So he was naked. And then we saw these other guys walking around that had skateboards that were in there. I'm like, what the hell? Who are these guys? And it was like Jacks, uh, early the first Jacks guys. Okay. Then uh, I guess the Cramps were playing or there was some music in between. And then, uh, you know, Salva would be like walking across the open space on the dance floor. I would run out and grab him by the lapels and then just start spinning around. Both of us like, oh shit, and then letting go and, you know, going crazy and just going across and smacking into a bunch of other people. Yeah. And then that started to escalate into anybody who walked across that, like got a running tackle and got knocked down and then there were dog piles and then there was a bunch of us like chasing each other around so we wouldn't get tackled or knocked down and it turned into slam dancing that was like the first time that kind of thing happened oh wow so here you got these guys from down south that are up there going oh this is what they do and then the next thing I know, I'm like seeing that there's like it's like an organized thing. I mean, I, we didn't call it slam dancing; call it dog pile or but whatever. They call it like the Huntington Hop or something. HB Strut. Yeah, something. Yeah, but all that kind of was. These guys went all back to their respective areas, and however 
their impression of whatever they saw became whatever was around there. And I think it was probably one of those naturally evolving things where it just sort of happened. Right. You know, but we took it to, you know, we were just throwing each other around. And then if somebody fell down on the ground, then everybody jumped up and like, you know, like full on professional wrestling. You know, and I got, I was on the bottom one time and one of the guys from the Jacks, he put his skateboard down to like push himself up, but it landed on my arm, on the inside by my armpit. I'm like, yeah, like this full, you know, <laughs> the shaved down razor tail. I'm like, fuck, I had this biggest mark on my arm for the longest time. Right. And then, you know, the clash happened and everybody was pogoing, right? And so we just went, let's go for the stage. All right, charge. And we just charged the stage and we just started knocking people out of the way. And we got to the stage. And next thing we know, we're on, standing on the stage. We're like, what the fuck? Wait, <laughs> what do we do now? Go back. Okay. <laughs> and so we were climbing across the heads of people and, you know, trying to get back and then go stand by Fausto and stuff again. And like, okay. Next song, we'll do it again. Right. You know. <laughs> is the mag was already out at this time? No. Oh. No, this is before the mag. Oh, damn. This is all stuff before the mag. Like 70s. Yeah, yeah. It was like 78. Okay. Um, and then after that, we went to um, to the Deaf Club, and we saw uh, the Germs were playing. And there was Jello. He was riding on a bike with two flat tires <clears throat> and then I turned to find out that that's the way he always rode it huh. I guess he'll probably have something to say about that uh. um, and uh, so anyway we're there's Jello wearing a, a, a jumpsuit because all of his clothes got taken <laughs> ripped off his body and you guys knew who Jello was at that time kinda and so what we did is we had this new dance that we did. So we were trying to work it out and we kept using Jello as our victim <laughs> and shoving him onto the stage in this age. And he was just taking it all in. It was great. Right. Then after that show was over, then we hopped into my low rider through, with Jello, threw his bike in the trunk and then we went to Susie Skate's house, which was actually was out here, one of these warehouses up, like probably about two blocks from here. Uh. And she had a um, giant warehouse where people had, you know, made rooms for themselves and all that stuff. And, and she would roller skate all over the place. Huh. Huge hallways. And she, she was in, in Skateboarder Magazine one time. Okay. Susie Skate's. Um, and so we were skateboarding up and down the hallways, you know, doing all kinds of stuff. And then we all passed out on a, on a bed. Susie goes, yeah, here's a bed. You guys can, so it was like, you know, whatever, five, six of us just all, <laughs> we were burnt. And then we woke up really early, drove back down to San Jose, went to a Denny's, um, had some, you know, eggs, and then we went to the, the contest. 
reeking of stale beer and sweat and bloody and all of that stuff. And, and that was like the main, well, the punk rock and indie and all of that kind of stuff came together all at once with black leather jackets and Dwayne. Oh, yeah, Dwayne was around. I don't remember. He was probably at that show. Huh. Doing Dwayne stuff. Right. <laughs> um, but, you know, all those guys were, were, you know, it was like insane kind of thing. And we just still had that energy carried over at the contest. From the night before. Yeah. I mean, we were 18. Olsen was younger. I think he was like 16. T.A., he was probably 20, 21. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, we were all fired up and just ready to go off on everything. By that time, I'd gotten to know, know KT and Blackheart and Fly and those guys because we would skate at Milpitas and, and uh, Winchester a lot. So we got to know each other and more so in the parking lot, you know, smoking joints and drinking shitty beer. Yeah. Um, and uh, Blackheart, you know, was kicked out. So he was always in the parking lot. Um, they would, uh, he would play catch with the football. And there was a big, I don't know if you were you ever at Winchester. I didn't go there, no. They had a big old glass window, right? And so whoever he was playing catch with would stand in front of that window and Blackheart would always try and throw it to get, to crash through the window. <laughs> so that was, shit yeah. just his whole life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that was, that was what I, one of the memories I have of that. A lot of evenings after sessions and stuff, we would adjourn over to KT's brother's house. He's a carpenter and he had like a nice big house and there was a big orchard behind his house. There was no houses right next to it. He had a big like barn garage type thing. Mm. In San Jose area? In Campbell, Campbell. Like, towards Los Gatos. Right. Right near one of the vans original places that the, they used to make shoes at. Oh. Um, but we would go up there and like sit out late at night and, and um, around a, you know, we would have a, a bonfire and be sitting there and, you know, I got to know KT pretty, pretty good. And eventually at some point he's like, oh yeah, I'm starting to work on this magazine, you know? could use some illustrations and stuff. You know, you do drawings. I'm like, hey, I heard of this magazine. And uh, prior to that, I had taken off to Southern California and I was living with, uh, with TA in Huntington Beach. Oh, damn, you lived with Tony? Yeah, wow. at, 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 at Tony's house, you know, and, and his brother Mark and, and uh, his dad, Ref, Refugio. Refugio, we called him DA for Daddy Alva. Daddy Alva. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, M-A and T-A. Uh-huh. And we would go to all the punk rock shows in uh, Hollywood and stuff. We would hitch rides and... Oh man, those those were gnarly times. 
was he like larger than life like was he i mean skateboarding wasn't as big back then right so people no. didn't like fan out on him maybe like he wasn't like a hasoy was he no not at that period because it was like the in-between right you know skateboarder was kind of going down i went to so I just skaters recognized him yeah really yeah one night went to a show at this place called bases hall and uh we're like you know no money nothing we're gonna go to the show you know didn't consider the fact that our pockets were empty <laughs> you know so what we do you know was i learned how to do panhandling <laughs> hey you got a quarter you got a, you know and and um, depending upon when we got enough money, what time it was, it was like, you know what, the show's almost over. Let's just go get some 10 high whiskey and sit outside and listen to the music and get drunk. Right. Or sneak in. And at um, uh, Bases Hall, <clears throat> we went uh, around to the side and there was Salba and Red Dog and those guys were there. And uh, they're going like, give us a boost up. There's some windows high up there. And if I climb through that, I'll come down and then I'll pop open the side door and you guys just rush in. Like, okay. So, I mean, here's all us guys like getting this, yeah, I forget who, might've been Salba that we got up there that would climb through and drop down. And then that door popped open and then just like 10, 15 guys just rushed in. And like, we're in. <laughs> And then it was like mayhem inside. I look over and against one wall is this guy with his back to the wall with his heel just kicking holes in the wall with his boots. Just gnarly. I think Black Flag was playing. And then not long after we're in there, the cops come in and they maced everybody. And so we ran outside. We're like, ah. And then after a while, we went back in. <laughs> And then we got maced again. <laughs> no way. And then, but this time when we came out, there was a whole big line of uh, uh, riot cops with shields and batons and helmets and we're like, oh shit. And so I was like one of the first guys out, right? So I'm like standing there going, oh man, are these? And then behind me, more and more punks are getting pouring out of the place and I'm getting shoved closer and closer to the riot cops. And I'm like, I don't want to, do that I mean, it's like i'm in front and i had nowhere to go i'm just getting pushed closer and closer to him and i'm like ah! and so i put my head down and just slam danced my way through the the line these guys parted with their shields and they just cranked me across the back with their batons Fuck. and i just kept running and ran across the street and this Volkswagen bug was spinning out and trying to take off. And I ran and just jumped into the side window and go, keep going, keep going. Get me the fuck out of here. You know, and then we ended up uh, at Okie Dogs. And we just kind of waited there for, you know, to find out who survived and who got away. And everybody kind of ended up showing up there. That was like the default yeah. place to, to hang out. So, anyway, that, that happened. And then the next day on, on TV, it was like a Rona Barrett, or whatever, one of the Hollywood insiders, whatever, she had a show, and she had Chuck Dukowski there. 
and she was talking to him about stuff and then you know they were talking about the la punk rock riots and all that shit yeah like whoa it was a big thing <laughs> i guess it was all over the place right um fuck so that happened then um while i was down there i don't know i might have been down there about a month i went to a bunch of shows i saw black flag like in a garage empty garage somewhere all kinds of people there and it was like an inch deep in like beer all like over the original black flag um, who was singing chavo it was before henry right it might have been early henry uh, okay i don't like you know because a little foggy <laughs> yeah I'd have to look at the year but all I remember was was loud and there was my feet were getting wet from the beer <laughs> and things kept shorting out <laughs> we all could have died <laughs> fuck but um but anyway um that happened and then on this one other day um Mark he said that uh he was hey man they're gonna have a photo shoot thing at, at the Irvine Public Park whatever snake run thing and like oh that sounds like fun let's go skate that and so I was hung over and woke up late and everybody was gone so I'm like oh so I went out and I still had some change left from panhandling I took a bus out there and I get there and I just missed some sort of photo session I'm like, for what? There's no skate magazines. And Potato Head was there. Ah. And I'd known Potato Head. I'd met him years before. A few years before I went to, um, I took a road trip, me and Kiwi, we took a road trip down to Marina Del Rey. And I met, got to know a few types there. Friedman, he had a B-52 shirt. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck is b 52 Oh, it's a cool band. You, you love them. I'm like, uh-uh. All right. <laughs> then later I heard, you know. Yeah. So anyway, I'm, I run into uh, uh, Potato Head, and he goes, come here, check it out. And it was a mock-up of Thrasher magazine before it was ever out. It was, so it was like newsprint with like hand-drawn, like this is the logo, and then here's a box here with the word photo over it Whoa. and then here's some lines here that are going to be words and then i'm like flipping through it i'm like oh, what the fuck is this shit there's no pictures there's no nothing he goes no this is going to be the magazine this is going to turn into a magazine <laughs> how long do i gotta wait i mean is it going to happen in my hand i mean i had no idea what any of this shit was yeah yeah no this is going to be thrasher all right good luck with that uh-huh and then a few months later, you know, I'm talking to KT. He goes, hey, man, I want you to, like, draw some pictures, kind of like the pictures that are on that um, that jam album in the sleeve where the lyric sheets are. There's, like, these ink drawings of these mods. He goes, something like that style. And then write a story. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> I mean, I, I understand the picture. What the fuck story thing? And so yeah. that ended up turning into Wild Riders of Boards. Huh. And so I would drive up to the city, hand in these sheets of typing paper that I typed out on a really shitty typewriter. 
I he had no idea what I was gonna. These are the drawings, and that's amazing. You know, and then he would put it together, and then I would go to Fausto or Eric and going like, "Can I get paid now?" <laughs> you know, and so they would give me like fifty bucks for. So you started you know, kind of just as a contributor in yeah. these illustrations. Then after a while, I got this big duffel bag or whatever, and put all my punk rock albums in there and some, you know, shoes, boots, shirts, and all that stuff, and. Took a bus up to San Francisco. Go, I'm moving to San Francisco. Again, no idea what the fuck I was. I'm here. Just going for it. And yeah, I just went. And then. Uh, and Fausto lived in the city, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He lived up um, uh, Twin Peaks. Okay. On Juanita, I think. Huh. <laughs> I still remember that shit. So anyway. Uh, I had KT's number. I'm like going, hey, KT. Well, no, I called the number and Swenson answered. I go, hey, I'm in the city. Blah, blah, blah. And he goes, well, all right, this is the address. This is where I'm at. And I'm like, okay. So somehow I figured out how to take the bus up the top of Petrero Hill. Damn. And then, you know, as Swenson used to tell it, he goes, yeah, man, we found Moped on the fucking curb with his bag of all of his belongings, <laughs> and we felt sorry for him, so we gave him a job. <laughs> That's kind of true in a way, but I walked up to the place and knocked on the door, uh-huh. <laughs> and they let me in, and, and then basically they're going, okay, you want a job? Okay, you can go in and help at the magazine, and you know we'll give you like you know $75 a week. <laughs> Or something like that. I'm like, okay. And where was the mag at that time? In Hunter's Point. Not at the place it is at now? No. No, out in the shipyard. Right, yeah. Yeah, out in the shipyard. Where Ermico was, right? Yeah. But the dark room was in in the the apartment that Swenson and Kate, or the flat that Swenson and Kate. Oh, really? Yeah, but the top of like 20th and Tejero. And so... There was no bedrooms, so I slept underneath the counter on a two couch cushions that I drug home <laughs> and uh, a pillow, and I had a little tin uh, bread box and a tiny dresser, and that was my whole existence. Fuck. And I would fuck, man. I would get messed up so many times because I decided, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to skate down to Harrow. <laughs> and just like halfway down one block got the speed wobbles and just ate shit and ripped my knees apart in the middle of the street so I got all the road grime in there and I got infected and I got you know I had to go to an emergency thought I was going to die and I right. had no money I'm like and yeah so I've, I would stay there like shivering with fever and and I had a little uh, jar that I would squeeze the pus out of my knee into the jar. Fuck. And then, uh, but, you know, every night I would go down, uh, uh, skate downtown. I would take, you know, if I missed the bus, that's when I hurt myself um, skating down the hill. But normally I would take the bus and 19 Polk and take the 19 Polk way out to, uh, once it got to Broadway, and then I got on a skateboard and skated up Broadway, and then I ate shit going through the Broadway tunnel. Damn. 
Yeah, because I was like going fast, going fast, and I had my hand like on the railing, like just so I could keep my space, <laughs> and like, and then it had a break in it with it, you know, the chain where you could walk through. Right. So my hand went down and hit the next railing, and I just spun out and hung up on the thing, and my board flew into traffic and just went all the way down towards Columbus, yeah. limping down to the show. <laughs> You're like trying to find uh, my board, find my board. Then I go to the Mab and see a bunch of shows. That was Mabuhe Gardens? Yeah. And that was before the On Broadway was open. Oh, okay. And so I would do that. Then I'd take a bus home. And uh, sometimes I would miss it. So I would like walk all the way up Potrero Hill <laughs> and, you know, drag my ass in about two or three in the morning, lay down. The next thing I know, it was like, Swenson's like kicking my feet. Let's go, moped. <laughs> Going to work. What the fuck? What time is it? 7.30, we're already late. Oh, man. <laughs> okay, so I would get in there and, you know, he'd go, here, roll a joint. Okay, so, you know, roll a joint and we'd smoke the joint on the way into the shipyards and uh, I'd go in there, sit down, and then Fausta would come in. I had an uh, office, sat in an office at this old desk in this room with Fausto. So it was me and Fausto, damn. and he would go. He would walk in with a big paper bag, throw it down on my desk. He goes, your job today is roll all of that weed into joints. <laughs> and then later he goes, okay, you're going to do all the collecting for the ads and all that stuff. So he would give me, you know, and this is the in-column, the debit credit and all of that stuff. So I would do all of that. And I was like the receptionist <laughs> at the time. So the phone rang, I would answer it. Thrasher Mag. Damn. Like, just like, bah. and the people were like, what the fuck? And then, you know, they give me a little bit more to do here and there. And they go, man, we got to get some more photos. I go, hey, I know how to take photos. I took photo, you know, 101 in <laughs> high school. You still know how to do it? I go, well, I kind of forgot, but I mean, I just go to City College and take a refresher course, you know? So I did that, Re you know, just got retained and remembered all the stuff that I had forgotten about the darkroom mixing chemicals and all that shit. Yeah. Came back and they, they go, okay, build us a dark room. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. So so I had my little FTB camera with a 50 millimeter lens. Yep. And this was like around the time the Mike Smith interview, that red cover. Yeah. Okay. That's around that time because a lot of the photos that I shot of him in there are with that camera and that lens. Okay. So cool. Real quick though, um, is the story true? Uh, what I heard was Fausto and KT were looking for a name and Dwayne Peters told them it's Thrasher. Do you um, I don't know if how that, the order of that information came, but I, I'm fairly certain that, that it originated through Dwayne. From Dwayne. And, and then KT kind of built the font? Yeah. yeah. Okay. But somewhere 
I think I had like the little yellow ruled pads of paper, the yellow kind, line paper. All oh, right. That Dwayne drew a cover. No way. Or drew something. I think I have it somewhere, Gotta but it's find like that. It's, uh, it's with sharpies and all that stuff. So it's a lot, a lot of that stuff is fading. Yeah. So yeah, I actually keep, I completely forgot about it, but I have that somewhere. Sick. That's insane right there. That's like Smithsonian or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it'd be good to get that and get it scanned and yeah, try and bring the absolutely. color back before it fades completely. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Thrasher was a couple issues in. The first half of the first year of Thrasher is when I was contributing. A large format still. Yeah. And then a few months later, like in the second half of the first year of Thrasher is when I had moved up. And I, I, I told those guys, I go, you know, if you take this tabloid and you folded it in half and you stapled it along the edge and you cut off the top, you can have way more pages for the same amount of paper. They're like, holy shit. <laughs> and that's where the um, that first small issue came out that yellow and green one with uh, I forget who they had downhill yeah on there and it's, I forget who else was on it's like October I think I think the first 10 are uh, are the big format and then no- oh no November and December are yeah but that was my fault <laughs> for doing that because I guess KT wanted it to be big like Rolling Stone and uh, okay. you know a tabloid thing and all that stuff which I f- found out later mm. but I was like oh no you know just always thinking of ways to get away with doing shit for cheap yeah you know cheat if I have to I still do that <laughs> that's how I get by how long were you guys out at the shipyards the new building, well, the new building. <laughs> to me, that was the, that's <laughs> the still the new building. building. Yeah, the uh, Underwood building. Uh, I think it was like around maybe '86 or '87. Oh, okay. I was the last one to move, move out. I was like working by myself and <laughs> in the shipyards. At, oh shit! In the empty thing while they moved everything else, and until we got in between an issue, then I could take everything down and right. and go there. Um, Damn. But it was... Was Ed Riggins in the mix at this time? Oh, he was out um, He was out at the, the shipyards. Yeah. Yeah, And man. they were all just kind of like... Is it, They were biker buddies, and they, and they were into metal, and that's how the truck thing came? Like, Well, I believe they, they were motorheads. Motorheads. You know, they liked bikes motorcycles yeah yeah wrenching on engines and cars and and things and and um and they you know there's a a small group of guys that did that you know because riggins he worked at morrison forrester whatever building i just know that he worked at that place i think swenson and fausto they started a foundry and were making some stuff. Mm. Somehow, you know, these guys would get high as fuck and with all the other <laughs> guys that they knew, like, were tool designers and engineers and whatever. Yeah. And they would just, hey, let's do this. So I guess that they 
had the great idea of like making this stroker trucks the stroker yeah you know and the independent steering and all that stuff so somehow that that got started and then they did the downhill racing right at laguna not not laguna seca but at tunnel road or whatever the um oh, okay right you know the big the skate car stuff and um terry nails was a yeah, pilot that thing they had in the hallway right yeah, yeah. <laughs> fucking gnarly yeah you know total root like <laughs> <laughs> evil could evil shit. total biplane type shit yeah you know, early just... early airplane you know without a parachute oh, wow. um, and so they did that and then that evolved into doing the uh rebound double kingpin i think it was kind of that didn't do so good and then they created the indie thing and the rest is history the rest is history yeah and they started making money and all that stuff and then action now shut down and all that start you know went away and they're going like well wait a minute we just started making money we so in order to have an industry for them to keep selling that they created thrasher right yeah so i would be you know stesic would sent you know do a lot of stories and send them in and out put them together and uh, he was early on yeah yeah i mean once a month or so fausto swenson and novak they would go out for business lunch yeah do you know where that spot is yep what is it cafe sport is it still there yep Fuck, I gotta go there. Oh man, it's in North Beach. Okay, yeah, I heard yeah. that. And I Cafe C A F F E. Okay. And they would have their business. Yeah, they, they took me there or... once. Uh-huh. Man, pigged out. It was oh so good. <laughs> but yeah, they'd come back, they would all be lit on you know, a couple bottles of wine and whatever else. Reeking of garlic. Oh yeah. Oh, it was just oh yeah. It was cool. But anyway, they come back and Fausto goes, Movo, come here. Novak's going to go, he's going to talk to you, okay? And you do what he says. Okay. <laughs> and then so Novak takes me into a back room. I'm sitting there, so what's going on? He goes, okay, we need you to start writing. I don't know how to write. That's not a problem. <laughs> really? <laughs> okay. Well how, well, how do we figure this out? Yeah. He goes, read, here's this book. Read this book. And when you're done with this book, you'll know how to write. Really? Okay. What book was it? Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Ah, okay. So, I read the book. And then I... Then they, they, we go down to uh, uh, Morro Bay crazy. for a slalom contest. Slalom contest, right? Yeah. And I come back. It's time to write the story. So I take some acid. <laughs> and I whip out like 20-something pages typed. <laughs> and then I call Fausto at like 3 in the morning. I'm like going, Fausto! This writing shit, I, I can't feel my fingers. <laughs> and I, 
can't even see the pages anymore. And, it, and the TV keeps doing weird stuff. And he just like, fuck you, shut up, you asshole. Stick with it. Yeah. Get and it he, was, he was laughing his ass off. He goes, what did you do? I took some acid. He goes, you idiot. Okay. So that was the Morro Bay story. Right. Yeah. So I like wrote about the, everything. Everything. It, it was super influenced by Hunter S. Thompson, right? You, well, yeah, because it's like, I read that, I'm like, going, oh, you write about everything. Yeah. So I wrote about everything. Yeah. I you remember, know? like, a lot of the contests you would go to, it wouldn't even be about the contest. But, and that's what was sick. It was like, we went here, there was an insane burger spot, and fucking <laughs> this guy got wasted. Yeah, but who won the contest? Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Well, then I get to, I go, man, I got to wrap this thing up. I go, oh, okay. And then the finals, oh, 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 so-and-so won. <laughs> yeah. What kind of tricks do they do? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Wow. What, did, what did Caballero do? <laughs> Hopefully right. I got a photo of one of the top three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was just like a little formula, and I tried to put it together. And so, huh? you know, and then he said, well, just start writing. And then so I just tried to figure out different ways to approach this writing thing okay you know and people would go oh you're a writer not really were you on a typewriter that, that took too long <laughs> i couldn't figure that out too good so just hand so i was doing handwritten i'd give it to fausto fausto would take it home his wife gwen would type it all out okay. on sheets double space and then bring it back to me then i'd go through and then i'd spec it so it could get sent to a, a, a typesetter. Holy and then, then we would bring the galleys back of like, you know, 12 feet of one column and then cut it apart and then we would wax. This is before computers. How long was that process? Like once you got the proof back from Gwen till like it was all typeset and like how long did that take? Well, a couple of days. Just a couple of days? Yeah. Fuck, I would think it would be like a week yeah. or something. And the typesetter was over here, um, you know, uh, not far from Fitzgerald. not far from Deluxe. Oh, okay. You know, and so we would be out. It's crazy how know. everything stayed kind of, like, yeah. didn't KT or somebody have a place right over yeah. here somewhere? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like. Yeah, not far from the um, bottom of the hill. Right. Place. Fucking crazy. So at that time when you were started writing... Did that kind of evolve into you thinking about writing lyrics and getting in a band and stuff? Oh, no. I was doing all that before Thrasher. Oh, you were? Yeah. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. Uh, when I came back from uh, living with TA, I was uh, came up to the city. I was at a uh, New Year's Eve show at um, 10th Street Hall. And I ran into um, uh, Mike Fox, and he's going, "Hey man, I want to like, let's get together and jam and do a band." Because we'd always talk about that kind of thing, kicking it around like uh, at Winchester, being in the um, in the parking lot. We go, "Hey, yeah, let's do that. Let's do that." You know, right? But he goes, "Hey, I really want." Well, and he used to work in um, a skate shop, uh, okay. Systems. Um, and so you go to the skateboard shop, and he'd be behind the counter with a guitar and an amp, and the counter was really long, and he had like a, I don't know, 
50-foot long cord or whatever. So you go, hey, I want to get uh, some uh, ACS, you know, metal base plates for my Bennett's because they cracked. <laughs> okay. And so he'd like be playing the Ramones as, as he walked down the case, <laughs> hit a power cord, boom, open the case, pull it out, put it on the top, and then come back and then, How goes, cool. yeah, that'll be however much. Right. You know, so he was always practicing. So, I, you know, I practiced a lot. And so, you know, I got a couple guys together and, you know, I'm going to do a band. I go, okay. Um, and so, like, the following weekend, I go over to Ray Stevens' house, meet Ray for the first time. He's still in high school. Fuck. Um, and um, and uh, Mike Fox goes, yeah, I got a name and everything, and we got a show. <laughs> what the like, fuck? Whoa, 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 what? <laughs> yeah, we got a show in, in a month at the MAB. We're opening. <laughs> no way. And, um, so we got to come up with a set. Are you serious? Okay. Well, and so we did that. The name of the band was Los Olvidados. And while I was doing that is when I was submitting the, the Wild Riders of Boards. So I would, after going up and seeing the mag printed, I'm like, oh, this is my story's printed. I'm like, Ugh. I felt like, uh, what's his name, um, uh, Steve Martin. And, the jerk was like, now I am somebody, you know, with the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where they had the, the phone book. God. I mean, that's what it felt like. I'm like, oh, geez. So I would come home with a couple of issues and I was just stoked. Fuck you know, yes. $50. Burning a hole in my pocket. Yeah. Um, so I'd show up to practice and get those guys, you know, the mag and stuff. And, and they were like, wow, this is great. And uh, so then we went and we wrote a bunch of songs, went up and played the show, and that was great. And then... Um, so your first show, you got booked before you even had a song, really. Yeah. And then you had to, like, create a set list in that time to get to the... Like, we got the destination, now we got to get the material. Yeah. Jesus. Here, now, this is the best part. Later is when I decided to move to San Francisco, and then I working you know then i'm working at thrasher and so i told those guys go hey i'm gonna be up in the city i'm gonna work for the magazine they said i can't do the band anymore because i gotta dedicate my time to this so i'm gonna have to stop doing the band and they're like oh okay you know, you know whatever nobody cared um and so mike voss went from playing second guitar to vocals and so anyway i'm up in the city doing that bit and so they wrote a whole new set okay they took uh, and then Voss put some lyrics his own lyrics to like one or two of the other songs okay so that was that then later on when I came to do the skate rock thing and I told them I go hey how about a we, you know, we do the band with the old setup that we were, you know, when I was singing with Los Olvidados, 
And then I want you guys to be on this album. He goes, well, we can't be Los Olvidados 1 and Los Olvidados 2. I'm like, oh, you're right. Well, I'll think of something. So while I was at City College learning Photo 101 again, I had also taken an art class. And in there, we, they were making masks. That was one of the art projects. Oh, sick. I'm like, oh, I can make masks and go up there. If I make masks, Fausto and Eric won't know it's me. <laughs> and they're, because what they, their, their logic was is they go, we don't want you to be doing band business and doing all of this stuff while you should be doing magazine business. Don't mix it up. Right. So that was why the Drunk Engines, which I, that came about is because me and Swenson were at some <laughs> nightclub or whatever. That's the And I'm like shit. powering down this pitcher of margaritas. And he goes, you fucking drunk Indian. I'm like, so I got a can of beer and I wrote drunk Indian on it of uh, Bud. And I had that like on my desk. And then I'd look at that and I'm like, oh, drunk engines. That could be the name of the band. And these masks, I'll make masks and make them like ghost warriors. Like, ooh, I'll give the, and say we're from North Dakota. Yeah. And then that way, nobody would know it was me. Nobody would call me about it at the magazine because they wouldn't know it was me. And that's why I tried to have that mystique right. happening to remove me from it. And then after we play, I'll write a story about us all getting killed. Because <laughs> yeah, we were only going to do like one or two. That was it. Right. And then um, and it kept going. But the thing yeah, is... That's amazing. Did, did people know right away or did, was no. it, there was a time where people didn't know? Yeah, it was a long time that people didn't know. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. And, and a lot of time where people like, go, shh, don't worry. I, I won't tell anybody. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. Secret. Um, but the main Drunk Engine songs now uh -huh. are those songs that we wrote really fast for that show. As Los Olvidados? Yeah. Oh. So Drunk Engines is the original lineup of Los Olvidados. Okay. So like what's like one of the first songs that got written? Like For Real, Heal Me was probably before that. Your oh. Mama. Oh man. You know? Your mama is so sick. Oh your mama man. I, I wrote that in one shitting. Actually the the, the the I was listening to the cure um killing an Arab. Oh yeah. And then just the, the way the guy was like singing like I'm like going, oh, okay. So I had that in my head. And then, so I went in to take a shit. When I came out, song was done. Your mama.
this big game oh, You can get no refrain Now your mama Your mama's crying Your mama Your mama's Video that I think the guy's name was the captain or something. Oh, made. yeah, video commander. Video commander, yeah. yeah. Uh, present, past, present, and future. Yeah. That was insane. Like, for me, it was like Mark Gonzalez, who was everything, and then what the fuck is this? Tales of Terror, yeah. uh, Drunk Engines, Skate Rock. What is this? I mean, we just ate it up because I was telling, I did Tim Kerr a little while ago, interviewed oh. him, and I was telling him, I was like, you had skateboarding on the cover of a, of a vinyl album? I didn't even care. I just bought it. Like, duh, yeah. you know? And uh, what you guys did, like, that whole thing was insane. Uh, but the reason I brought it up is whatever the song, she's got a gun. She right? got a gun. Yeah, that's another one of them. That's one of the, my favorites because that's in there. The beginning, like Fox is like, and then yeah. it's dun, 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 and it, the build up. Um, people, oh man, just so classic and much respect. That's was us learning how to be a band. <laughs> that's crazy though <laughs> that those were the early songs yeah those songs were written. that's always how it works like the magic is when you're learning and yeah. then you get it and you're like uh we could just make whatever yeah yeah <laughs> you, you get uh, um spoiled yeah wow um, but yeah yeah those most of those songs were written in uh 80 81 and then a handful other ones were written in 87 because we did the album. Okay. Hey, let's take a quick little break and hear from some of our friends and we will be right back. Hey, it's Corey at Blue Plate, 3218 Mission Street. Come see us. Meatloaf, fried chicken, deviled eggs, Dollar Olympia beers. We're here every day of the week. We got a garden and we got smiles on our faces. Come let us make you happy. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Talk a little bit about the skate rock, though. Like, um, it was a huge thing. Like, big boys. It's funny because I interviewed uh, Brandon and then I interviewed Kerr. And I could tell that they had a little bit of, like, not beef, but you could just tell, like, who's who was first. first. Yeah. We were first, whatever. Like the Alva Orton but, like, front we don't, side And both of them said, we don't give a fuck. I don't care. But just talk about, like, meeting, like, those dudes in Texas and seeing their scene. And then, like, SoCal and seeing their scene. And, like, combi- like was it kind of a brotherhood or was it more competitive? And, like, man, those guys are kind of weak. Or, like, how, how um, was the vibes? Well, I think... Like for for us, it it's it started. Um, my exposure to it is, we would be partying out at Fly's apartment. Fly and Steve Weston, they they lived together in Mountain View, and we would go there and drink and party, and that's when we first heard the Clash, Fuck. the first album, the Clash, uh, Talking Heads '77, and uh, Devo. I think Blondie was in there too, but I didn't ever like Blondie. Um, but anyway, we we're like listening to that stuff and we're singing along. We're going like, you know what? We can do this. And so late at night, you know, we would be uh, um, sitting there. Not after listening to those records, then we would like get pots and pans the uh the backs of chairs with like a wire grating and like a uh cooking spoon you know and, and yeah we would just and we would just be this weird you know spike jones <laughs> band you know right um and then but we would like be you know doing cycle killer and all that stuff and just hey cycle killer and then weston he had an acoustic guitar so he would play that so we would be doing that. I'm like, oh, man, we can do music. And then not long after that, it transitioned into, you know, what, that what I said about Mike Fox and, and going to create a band for ourselves in San Jose. And at that time, there weren't very many, maybe four or five bands. I mean, there were a handful. Right. So that was that existence before Thrasher. Then I'm at Thrasher, and, and so I went and hung out with, with uh, uh, TA and those guys because, you know, a lot of those guys, Olsen would be, you know, starting a band and all yeah. that stuff, and it would be like skating and starting a band. I mean, that was like what hand you did, yep. you know? Um, and so that was just, hey, we got to start a band, I guess. And it's that energy. We got to do something. Right. So... I had, you know, I didn't know any better. Just like, you know, here, read this book. You'll know how to write, you know, like, oh, okay. Right. (laughs) So this was like, hey, you know, skateboarding. And so being in a band and starting a band and then going to the Mab and seeing all that, all that, you know, made sense. Um, So I'm doing the magazine and stuff and I keep getting these cassette tapes in. And I'm like, listen, I'm getting like stuff from like Dekreutzen and uh, Borscht. You know, from uh, Wisconsin. Yeah. You know, compilation. Th- there would be like these compilation tapes that people would do 
from wherever and they would like get music from these different bands and they would put them together on a compilation tape and then you know shitty tapes and um and send them out and then people would have these compilations you know they were never an album they were you would have to, i might even have one or two of them left right. that if you listen to it there's all these bands on it i lost whatever the information was so it was like blue thing on it <laughs> saying music <laughs> so i'm like oh yeah this is side one music misspelled and then music <laughs> correctly spelled is side two and so we listened to it and then that's when i heard the first time i heard jfa and stuff but i didn't know who it was mm. you know because th there was no identification on there so eventually you know i think they sent me a a, a copy of that single um and then at some point uh um the big boys sent me the album the first album and i'm like oh man this shit's great and i'm like looking at all this stuff I'm going, man, there's a whole bunch of these things where, and I'm going, you know what? You could take a bunch of these songs, put them together on one album and have this like, you know, skate rock and roll kind of punk shit. And so I was thinking that. And then one time, you know, rolling joints for Fausto, I go, hey, you know, I keep getting all these things, this music and stuff from all these skateboard bands. You know, we should do like an album or something with all that. He goes, great, do it. Well, no, no, wait, no. I, I was like saying, you guys, <laughs> no, your idea, you do it. I'm like, I don't know how to do this. Read a book. <laughs> Fuck. Okay. So anyway, that happened, and that's how that came about. And, and, and he goes, what are you going to call it? I go, I don't know, skate rock, whatever. I mean, it's okay. And that was just kind of sort of what we had a name for it. And that's what it ended up staying. But you named the first one Volume One, so you knew you wanted to do more. Well, I name a lot of things Volume One. <laughs> <laughs> I lose track. Okay. Well, the thing is, is that there was enough to do another a one. Okay. But you know, we'll see how this works out. And did that spark people like? I want to be a part of that. I'm making a band. Like, did bands ex start to come together after Skate Rock came out? Yeah, and then people like so going, you know what? We're going to start skating so we can be a Skate Rock band. I'm yeah, like, yeah. Well, that's, that's not how it works. You know, that's not, I mean, there could be a country western band. If they all skate, that's Skate Rock. Yeah. You know, if they're doing that and they're off time from hardcore skating, it's Skate Rock. It's just not like, hey, you know, we got to, our bassist started skating, so was, can we be on your next compliment? No. <laughs> yeah. No, not just no, but fuck you. <laughs> so anyway, that, you know, came to, I put that together and, and, and um, put a couple of them together. I drew the artwork for the first one, kind of a composite of Henry Rollins and Tony Hawk. Tony Hawk's body... <laughs> Henry Rollins' head uh -huh. on the um, the Palmdale ramp. Um, I did a little ink drawing of that. Yeah. But, you know, that became a, a thing. And then then after a while, that's when Fausto and Eric are going, hey, so let's do a Drunk Engines album. We know it's you. <laughs> <laughs> when did you find out? Well, when you kept leaving the 
photocopy in the, in the Xerox machine. <laughs> we kind of figured out. It like must, making flyers or yeah, something? Yeah, like making flyers, and I forget to take the thing out of the top. And, Hmm. <laughs> yeah, but since you went out of your way to like be anonymous, then you know we didn't say nothing. Yeah. Because I didn't talk about it at work, or you know I just didn't. I didn't want it interfering with. I had too much to do. Right. And then I would kill us in a plane crash, after every show. <laughs> and then after that, it got kind of cliche. So I died in the. We died in a bus crash. <laughs> um, so anyway, after a while, then the bands ended up being kind of connected I ended up like talking to each other because we discovered each other's existence and you know I don't know if JFA was playing before the big boys first played or yeah if either of them played before that day that you know that uh, Mike Fox asked me to be in the band and we've had a show right away but I mean at the very least they happened around the same period of time, probably within the same year, independent of each other, unknowing yeah, of each other's existence. Amazing. And which is also the same thing that which happened with skateboarding. You had a cluster of them in Reno, you had a cluster of them in Sacramento, right. Berkeley, San Francisco, San Jose, and then yeah. but then there would be wide um, spaces of none. You know, then there'd be LA, San Diego County, and then Texas, and Nebraska, and Chicago, and New York, and Boston, and DC. But in those areas, that's where it was, but there wasn't much of anything between those places. Ah, uh, okay. You see? Yeah. And, 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 that, and that was with skateboarding, and then the bands ended up coming up from there, you know, like the Necros. Right. I mean, they were skater type guys, and and so were the, the you know, Borscht and uh, Dekreutzen. What about the faction? Did they kind of start because a reaction to skate rock? Like, Cab's a skater, let's get him in the band? Like, how did that... I don't remember, because I think they're on the first... They are on the first one, huh? AUK, maybe. Yeah, but I think what happened with that is that it might have got rushed through. Like, they were kind of dabbling. Okay. And then I think since we were coming out with this thing, they put some stuff together. But, I mean, I, it's kind of fuzzy, but I also seem to remember Caballero, you know, pushing his 45 or whatever, like rough trade records and all that stuff before that huh. so I think they might have had like a little thing going but then when we had this that they you know that they really got down and made some stuff recorded specifically for for yeah. this um, which was kind of cool but back at that time those guys were the little kids right you know and here we were like drinking in bars right snorting coke <laughs> off of tits um <laughs> You know, smoking weed like crazy, getting in riots, yeah. getting into the nightclubs that they couldn't get into. Right. <laughs> you know. So um, they were a bit removed from like. The yeah, but but you know, we at, at that time you know they were the, the little kid band to 
some of us because at, at you know at that time which is kind of funny is here i'm seeing them you know that they're, uh, they're going to play their last show and all that stuff which i couldn't get into mm. <laughs> couldn't get a free pass <laughs> um but I look at that and, 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 and I see like all of these people that are like singing along with all that stuff and I'm going, fuck, they're just, just these kids. Yeah. But th that, they used to be that little kid band, but now they're these old middle-aged men little kid band. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the, um, having heard the music for so long, and, you know, that I became really familiar with it and then things changed when we got in our... 30s and 40s the the distance between the dis, the distance between like 15 and 21 is like a thousand miles but the distance between like 35 and 41 right is a couple blocks yeah exactly <laughs> yeah so you know that all changed but but back then it was like oh man right know, we're the fucking punk hardcore guys again back then the music kind of grew in the areas where there was those pockets of skateboarders because the thing is, is they'd go skate together and then when they were done, they'd go, what do we do now? Right. You know, hang around, get drunk, TV party, yeah. you know, <laughs> um, or, you know, let's go watch Dallas. But instead they'd go, you know, let's go steal some instruments yeah, <laughs> and um, yeah, I had a few episodes of that. I won't say what, because <laughs> people will figure that out. Right. Um, and um, but they would do that to entertain themselves, and then they would. What happened back in those old days is people would throw shows. They'd go to a hall. They'd rent the hall for X amount of dollars, and they'd rent a PA. Oh, damn. And then they'd get a tub with beer or whatever. And then they'd put out flyers. People would show up. They'd charge, you know, three, five bucks or whatever. The place would load up. The people who were put together the show, pro probably some people ended up being big promoters now, today. Yeah. But they started out by these, you know, in a church or in a veterans hall or old folks home or, you know, um, whatever not clubs but these would be garages or whatever right and these bands would get together and play they would figure it out and and, and you know nothing could stop them kind of diy style total yeah and then then they got known and so they would drive around and you know they would heck i remember doa they would drive around and play anywhere Right. You know, they played at um, uh, Kevin's uh, brother's place. No out way. There, uh, you know. Damn. We played out there, too. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we were just creating our own scene and being our own entertainment. Right. And then, like, whew, looks like it is something. We made an album. What the fuck? <laughs> really? Still yeah, another one. I guess I'm an album now. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there was a lot of... That, but the os, it was like osmosis, you know, that these pockets of skateboarders and skateboard bands, you know, kind of interchanging, sort of grew. And then um, 
that's why uh, Fausto, I don't know if he was the uh, seed of the idea, but I think through conversations or whatever with Stesic and Stacy and whatnot, um, they go, hey, you know what? You got all these pockets all over the country. Let's throw a contest in the middle of the country. Right. Savannah. So it's everybody can have the same amount of di- driving distance. And that's where the, the uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. Oh, okay. And Savannah, Georgia, right? That was later after that was street. Okay. But the, um, the Midwest melee the Midwest. is um, we went to the center of the country so it would be closer for other people so they could come check it out. No way. You know? And did people like come and camp and like or was probably it, yeah i don't know i stayed in a hotel and was lit most of the time <laughs> you know right but uh, that's fausto was into that shit was like let's go to where the people are going to get hyped he, on he, yeah he says they don't see it instead of trying to get people to come to skateboarding bring skateboarding to the people right you know and you know that was when vert was still a big deal yeah and then later 87 I think yeah the, the month-long European tour that's when the Savannah uh, thing happened and I was rooming with the uh, skipper from SMA right Skip yeah England yeah <laughs> I'm like trying to write this you know in between going to do shoot the contest I would sit in the room and I was like having to write trying to write the story for Europe and then Skipper and I are deeply involved in in, uh, certain substances (laughs) Um, and during the day in the afternoon you know we wake up and he would look out the window he goes well there's something you don't see every day I'm like what's that he goes Ku Klux Klan in full robes and <laughs> but they're like some of them had pastel colors whoa so, in Savannah yeah Whew. that's right outside our hotel which is about 50 yards away from that bench that uh, Forrest Gump sat on for the bus oh yeah yeah no way yeah that's where that was where we were at so we were at there and and then uh, um, like people would you know like hey we're supposed to stay with you in, in, in this room I'm like fuck you get out <laughs> so it's just me and Skipper locked in there you know with whiskey and whatever we could smuggle on the airplane uh. Fausto and Eric tried to keep us apart a lot of the times I would go down south to shoot all the the Venice Nottis and all the yeah. hardcore new street skating but then, you know, Skip and I would stay up for like three days. And then I'd be like, and I, I would keep missing the airplane. And Fausto, those guys would get pissed because they're like, fuck, man, every time, every uh, time you guys get together, you fuck up. And you... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Wow. How did you know Skip? Like he was in, in uh, Venice, right? Yeah, I knew. I met Skip for the first time when uh, about 78. 77 oh. or 78 um, when I went out to um, I used to go out to Modesto Skate Park Heat Wave 
Oh. And I used to skate out there all the time. Um, do little road trips out there with Kiwi and Dan Caceres and a few other types. And we'd go out there and sleep in the car. I had a Mustang. <laughs> so four or five of us sleeping <laughs> the Mustang. Um, so, a 60, 68 Mustang. You've had a bunch of cars. I've gone through some, yeah. <laughs> um, the cops took some of them away. Ah. Yeah, it's like, ah, I don't like that one anymore anyway. <laughs> but anyway, uh, there was some event there or whatever, and, and Skipper was there, and he had some, you know, he was trying to sell some boars out of his van or whatever. And so wow. I was over there looking at him, and he was, like, telling me the whole thing, and I'm like, you know, I don't got any money. He's like... Fuck you, man. You made me go through that whole thing. And, he, well, I just wanted to see it. Yeah. <laughs> but that was the first time I met Skip. And then I knew who he was. And then one day at, uh, at Thrasher, Skip called and said, Hey, I'm up in town. I'm over at Skates on Hate or whatever, dropping off some boards. I was wondering if I could come out and see you guys. I'm like, Skipper? Skip? England? Like, sure. So I told him how to get out there. He comes out. KT blows him off. <laughs> Fucking, they're like, I'm like, going, this dude is like the dude. <laughs> I knew who he was. And they just didn't register none of that. Right. Although they kept talking about that scene. Ah. The Zephyr, this and that. And I'm like, going, because I'm like showing them, hey, look who I got. Yeah. And they're like, who the fuck is that old fuck? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, then they just kind of ushered him out, and Skipper's like walking away to it. I, mean, I can still picture him like walking off to his, his pickup, and I come running out. I'm like, going, hey, dude, no, 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 no. Those guys fucked up. I know who you are. Don't worry. I'll get this figured out. I'll get this straightened out. <laughs> Next time, you know. You know, so he had me designing all the Santa Monica Airlines ads. I used to design, you know, during the 80s, I did all of those ads up until Rocco took over oh, SMA. Okay. Then they started doing their own thing. I did all the Thunder ads. I come up, did the original logo and artwork and everything for Thunder. I created that whole visual Sick. thing. I did all the original ads for that with the boobs and oh yeah the belt yeah. and you did an early malva graphic right mickey alva yeah the the is it the tombstone the, the, one the cemetery yeah so was that the first board you ever did or was that bef that was before tommy's right yeah that was before tommy's but i told malva i go hey i got a great idea you know Let's go out to the cemetery. We'll look for some tombstones. And what I wanted is like, when he does a front side air and the board's not horizontal, but tilted this way, the crucifixes will be standing straight. So when he's going up this way, it would be, uh, you know, lined up right. Yeah. You know, so I took the photos and then I made some prints and then I went to the Xerox machine and then I kind of, you know, got a lot of different sizes Then I, cut it up I had this tracing paper with the shape and then I kind of just like glue sticked them you know the stuff in the position that it was at 
And he goes, yeah, so then we'll send it to NHS and, and then they'll do the artwork and stuff. And like, oh, cool. And then what happened is they, it, it looked like they just pretty much did a stat of my junk thing that I sent them. Damn. And they used that as the graphic. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> I was, no, I was it sending you a concept, <laughs> not finished art. Oh, man. And then Phillips did the uh, the other one with the illustration of that. Oh. I'm like, well, that's what it was supposed to be the first time. So then somebody told me that Jim Phillips got mad because I did that. Huh. And she goes, well, yeah, then if it's, he's doing it, then here, there it is. Yeah. That's what I heard. I don't know if that's the truth. Who came up with the indie, the Iron Cross, the logo? Um, I think that was Phillips doing, um, based off of the observation. Of, I don't remember who all was in that part, but they saw the Pope on the cover of Time magazine and on the sashes around his, you know, around his neck or whatever part of his garment at the bottom were like you know a Maltese looking cross of some kind and he goes the Pope can do it right. <laughs> we can do it yeah I heard in 2020 they can't do it I heard they're taking the uh, Iron Cross away from Indy that's because it takes too much energy to like tell people that's not a Nazi symbol you know, that's Retire a symbol that, that existed, you know, in medieval times. Um, the Pope wears it. Um, it's Snoopy and the Red Baron. It's the same symbol that's on the sides of fighter airplanes and tanks in the, the uh, modern German army. It's just a, it's a, a herald crest type of thing, you know. Um, a swastika is a swastika. That's a cross. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're two completely different things yeah. with complete different origins. The symbol that got used in World War II is just a carryover from all the centuries of it being used before that. That was their, their deal. Surfers used it. Bikers used it. You know? Hmm. But... You know, it just takes too much energy to like these people who weren't born. Right. You know, um, you know, that 20 right. year olds or whatever, like, oh, no, that's, as far as I'm concerned, that's a swastika, that's yeah. anti Semitic. It's like, well, you're an idiot, but you know what? Fuck it. If we take it away, we don't have to talk about it. Yeah. And then, I mean, I'm not saying that's why they're doing it. That's my, no, my impression. And, and, and I think it, they're probably just, over it they go hey you know what i got important things to do not to explain shit to you every day yeah it's hard though because you built like this whole thing and that's part of the history and you can't ever erase the history like it still exists yes yeah, so. that'll just make that stuff more collectible yeah i guess so it's, well the people are fucking energy vampires yeah they just want to go oh that's racist yeah you know what if you want to go that route the American flag's racist, you know, because that's the flag that flew over the people who wiped out all, you know, the uh, pre-American natives, over 100 million, 
the in, in, indigenous population, they, you know, that's like full genocide. And then the, the full genocide on the, um, the Mexican-Americans and, you know, the um, sterilization of, of people and stuff. I mean, it goes on and on and on under that flag. The Indian Wars under that flag. So nobody says that. Why? Because they didn't lose. Any other points? Uh, I do want to know what one of your favorite trips of all times was. Oh, the Europe tour of like 87. We were out in Europe for a month. Was Christian and Gator? Christian, Gator, let's see who, Cab, Lance, Gons, Roscop, Duncan, Noho. Holy shit. There was so much shit that went on in those things. We tried to get out of Paris for like a few days, but I'd be all, everybody would be already all packed in the lobby. Where's Christian? Well, he's not up yet. <laughs> Fuck, man! We gotta, we gotta go catch the train. You're gonna miss the train. I wanna, I wanna go to Normandy. I wanna go look at the bunkers because it's like an anniversary or something. It's June. <laughs> it's, we gotta, ah, and then. Christian comes down finally and he goes, what's up? Dude, are you even packed or ready to go? No, are we leaving? <laughs> okay. Is that the one where you, I think you told me some story about they went to another country and maybe saw Prince or some concert? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Gator, Gons, maybe somebody else, but I know for sure Gator and Gons. I think we were in Austria. Where the fuck's Gator and Gons? Well, they went to Paris. <laughs> Why? <laughs> oh, they're going to go see Prince. What? Uh, no cell phones, right? Nothing. No way of getting a hold of anybody. But they caught up with us. They came up and, like, met up with us, like, at the next stop. Damn. Which, I mean, I'm looking back on that whole thing. I'm going, how did we even do that? Yeah. You know? No communication. Like, that's insane. I had a trip on that, too, and I was, like, 10 years later, I was like, how did we know the bus route and, like, all that shit? Yeah, we just figured stuff out. Yeah. And uh, um, there was a big terrorist thing going on when we were in Rome. They're like, oh, man, there's, like, you know, the Red Brigade or whatever. Um, and so they, there was a warning, you know, to uh, Americans to keep a low profile and go, all right, idiots. Here's the deal. We all talk cholo. <laughs> all right. Nobody will know that. Hey, check it out, man. We're going to go down <laughs> to the forum, eh? Yeah. We're going to go down to the forum. We're going to take a look at the temple of the Vestal Virgins. When uh, we went to the forum, Christian, again, like, he's like, what's this place? Are there any chicks? Uh, I don't know, probably. He goes, well, okay, we'll do this, but, you know, half an hour and I'm out. Couldn't drag him out of there after about four or five hours. He was like, oh, this, this is awesome. This is cool. I mean, everything was, you know, we were smoking joints down in the other lower pathway kind of thing. Um, our friend, uh, well, Christian's friend, Thomas, um, who had family in uh, Italy, 
he kind of showed us around a lot and we had we had a good time in Rome. Right. The skateboarding wasn't so good on the streets because it, it was all cobblestone. Yeah, it's all old. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we did a lot of cool tourist stuff. Um, took a lot of photos. And, uh, yeah, that was a... That was, a, that was really fun. Then, oh, and then we ended... We flew into Paris and then we went to Bourges, France, and then we went to Madrid and Barcelona and then Nice and then, um, uh, let's see, oh, Nice, then Rome, and then we went to, um, we took the, uh, the train from Rome to Milan, Shit. but there was a conductor's strike or whatever thing. So it was supposed to be like a, I don't know, a few hours, but it ended up taking us all night to go because we had to stop a whole bunch of times because the trains like, couldn't, so they didn't crash. Right. So we were getting shit-faced on the, on the, uh, in the dining car. They just opened up the liquor thing, and so and there was an American soldier there in uniform, and then there was a Spanish soldier there, and um, and they were trading uniforms, and they were wearing each other's hats and coats, and, and everybody was drunker than shit. And then um, I remember the the Spanish soldier; he was like trying to communicate, you know, like. Heavy metal, like he was trying to say heavy metal, but he spelled it like H B Y M E D L, you know. Um, <laughs> that was insane. But um, we went through all of that in Austria, and then um, we ended up spending the the last part in. Um, uh, Amsterdam. Oh, good way to end it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, in Amsterdam, and Suicidal was playing. Oh, sick. Yeah, so here we are walking around the red light district for a while, like, okay, you know, let's go get laid. I got the company card. <laughs> and then, um, uh, and then we went to, I forget what the district or area was but there was like a lot of Middle Eastern shops and stuff and then here come these you know cholo guys walking down with the bandanas down over their eyes and all that stuff and I'm like hey Mike <laughs> and it's like huh what are you doing here That's what are you cool doing shit. we're playing a show and we're ending a tour yeah. So that we bump, he goes, come to our show tonight. You know, so that that was pretty fun. Running into people that far away is the best. Yeah. Like what? And suicidal tendencies, you know. And so like you're saying, hey, this song is for like all the guys, you know, on the Thrasher tour. And it's like sick. That didn't get us any chicks. <laughs> I got a tattoo there at Hanky Panky Tattoo thing. Oh, that same time was the Hell's Angels convention. Oh damn! <laughs> so there was like, hell's angels everywhere. You go like, 
you know, you'd see Hell's Angels, Helsinki, Hell's Angels, Stockton, Hell's Angels, London. Yeah. You know, all these different things. And it was like, wow, this is kind of cool. And they're all like, had these little bags, you know, shopping bags, and they're like touristing, walking around. But, you no know, way. <laughs> it was pretty, pretty cool. Oh, man. You know, they were window shopping. Oh, I was, uh, I think, with Skipper one time, and we went out to Ocean Beach or somewhere, and there was a surfing contest. And so we're walking, you know, sitting on the beach, drinking beers or whatever, and, um, and um, there's like a surfing contest going on, and I'm like, going, how does this work? He goes, well, you know, they, they, you get a group of guys or whatever, and they go out, and they have, I forget what it was now, but you know, like X, either X amount of time to get a certain amount of runs, you know, waves in, and then they get judged upon that. I'm like, well, fuck, man, that's how skate contests should be. You know, a set up amount of time, so I go to Fausto and going, hey, I was at the surfing contest, and how about if we do like a skate deal where you get a handful of, you know, you, you say there's however many guys, you know, like say 40 guys uh, show up to enter and just break it up into four groups of 10. Have them all line up and go one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. Okay, all the ones, you're in the first group. Yeah. And then you have the guy go, he skates his run, like, hey, this is Rob Roscoff, man. And he does a run, boom. Okay, this is Steve Cavallaro, boom. Okay, then you get 10 guys and they do their first run. And then after they do that, then you go, okay, for the next 15 minutes, you guys session. And then session, and then you judge basically how they do. So it's basically, it's just like a, a backyard ramp session. And they just do that. And then you go through the other groups, and then you judge based upon the performance from that. Right. Everybody will know. And Fausto goes, oh, that's a cool idea. What do we call it? I go, oh, I don't know. He goes, we'll call it a rep jam. Rep, I mean, the fuck, man. I'm like, oh, man, I created a monster here. <laughs> Because <laughs> Fausto, the, and he was like getting used to the idea, so he, the whole day, rep jam, rep jam. <laughs> he'd close his door, and then he'd open it, stick his head out, rep jam. Fuck, dude. <laughs> okay. And that's what we did, the Joe Lopes Was that jam. the first one? Yeah. And then it got changed into, well, we'll do this with it. It's like, why? Yeah. It's okay the way it was. No way, yeah. Same thing as I told him on the uh, street skating. I go, we should have a street skating contest. Well, how, how do we do that? I don't know. Get some refrigerators or get a car or get whatever. We'll make some weird ramps and we'll take them and put them in an area and the guys just have to skate them. Right. We just, we'll figure it out. And that was the Golden Gate Park thing. Yeah. That was before Capitol. Yeah. Okay. Because that the Capitola was skating down the course. Down the course. Yeah, this thing was just a big flat, you know, center ring kind of thing where guys went out and just did their, their whole whole bit. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of funny because now, you know, X Games this or whatever, I hear oh, yeah. the jam. I'm like, 
<laughs> I should have copyright that. <laughs> yeah. You know. Oh, speaking of that, uh, Skate and Destroy. That was Stesic. He 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 sketched it out. He did the original sketch, but it was just kind of all. It was probably about seventy-five percent cool, but it needed tightening up. Uh huh. So Fausto made me tighten it up. Ah. Uh, the same thing with. Where the, did it come from, though? Like the the, the skate and destroy the words and everything, the oh, attitude. I don't know. From was that? That, that was the first too? time I saw it. Oh. Prevent this tragedy. Oh yeah. Was another stesic thing. A <laughs> guy falling out of the car. He just brought this box with these little a, a box that had these little devices that that you would put on your car door so they wouldn't flip open. Little kids couldn't get them open. And so the illustration on the box oh. prevent this tragedy in your family. You know, of the kid falling out and hitting his head. Yeah. So he brought this box and he gave it to Fausto. He goes, hey, I just thought this might make a cool T-shirt or something. Right. You know, Fausto's like, both of make a T-shirt out of that. Okay. So I got it and kind of put some vellum on the top and kind of re-drew right. it. And it's it's still a T-shirt. Is it still? Is it still? Yeah. Weird what shit. year was that? That was early. Yeah, it was in the mid '80s. Had Damn. to be. Yeah, that's going strong. And the logos never changed. I mean, why would it? But yeah. we've had some. We, I definitely have had at least one art director first day come in and go, "I'm going to change the logo." Everyone's like, "This guy's not going to last long." Uh, <laughs> nope. And then uh, I remember uh, kicking around. I mean, getting into hot rods and stuff, and liking hot rods. And I go, you know, we should do a Thrasher logo with flames on it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so I'm like, I'm trying to, you know, you know, bar napkin in some bar, like going, dude, we should, I think Ken McGuire, hey, we should flames on this thing. So Ken is like, say no more. <laughs> and the next thing I know, he shows this logo with the flames on it. I'm like going, fuck. That's exactly what I was thinking. Uh, that's the hottest thing. Well, yeah, I know. I'm like going, <laughs> man, if I could get a penny for every one of those sold. Whoo! But, so that's why when I see pictures of people wearing it, I'm going, hey, you're wearing my shirt. That's my shirt. Shit. You know? Dude, I could talk to you forever. It's getting cold, though. Uh, that is. Yeah, maybe we can do a part two sometime down the oh, road. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we always end the, sh the thing with a song. And uh, before you pick a song to end it with. Oh, I thought you were going to make me sing. No, no. But like you could pick a song like, okay, let's go out with fucking this. But I do want to have one little story of the time that you and I spent together working. Because it, oh, was, incre it was incredible. I treasure it a lot. And one of the things out of the many is the distillers. I never oh. knew about it, but every day, fucking O Serena was on uh. fucking loud, and I'd be like, I'd kind of be on the <laughs> other side, like we had the wall between us, but we're in the yeah. same, and I'd look over at Paul, he's playing civilian or whatever he's doing, and I'm like, this is catchy. Yeah.
that meant a lot when I went to see them and I I kind of bonded with Sally a lot through that band because she loved the lead singer Brody oh yeah and yeah. just her voice her raspy voice anyway I just I needed to bring that out and uh, say that but uh, yeah if you got like a I don't know. I, I, I want to definitely play a few Drunk Engine songs through the interview, but we could end with one too, or you could pick something that kind of has a message or means something or whatever you want to do, really. Oh, I might have some stuff that, engine stuff that people haven't heard. Oh, that'd be I amazing. That, but I'll, I'll put together some stuff and I'll send it to you. Oh, that'd be incredible. Um, I yeah. love that one. You sent me the uh, Big Boys cover. Uh, oh, red, yeah, light. red green. Yeah, red green. So sick. Yeah, that was man. Fun. Tim's a really cool guy. I didn't even know him at all, and I just hit him up on social media, and I was like, "You down?" He's like, "Sure," but I don't know why. Like, he's really kind of <laughs> humble. Yeah, he's and, very humble. Yeah. So I know. Yeah. I, I, dude, I eat up all this history stuff though. Like you guys were the fucking pioneers, and like, I respect the hell out of all y'all. And like, I loved learning new little things. I've, I've been at the mag for twenty plus years, and there's so much stuff I don't know. And I just, I appreciate you guys. So, well, thing is that Fausto and Eric, they, I mean, you know, the the ethos that they would always say is, you know, like. Uh, don't give them what they want, give them what they need. And controversy creates public opinion. So we just say, fuck, I don't care what you want. I'm going to do this because I think that this, you know, because you get too many cooks in the kitchen. Right. And then you just, you know, you get something bland. Right. But if there's this one thing that's energy, I don't agree with that. Good. Talk about it. Yeah talk about what you think but if it's something that like makes everybody happy nobody talks about it it's like it gets dismissed you know and uh what those guys did is as hard ass as they were they did give us a lot of freedom you know we yeah. got away with all kinds of shit sure as long as the job got done you want to work from two in the morning till five in the morning just get it done <laughs> yeah yeah well oh, man that'd be I don't know how many all-nighters I pulled there. We'd like get a eight ball, you know, a bunch of weed. At the shipyards? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, whiskey and just sit there and just like, okay, okay, finish the layout for this article. Go over to the little table. Okay, and a shot of whiskey. <laughs> Ah, and then some of these McDonald's fries. <laughs> and I'm, okay, yeah. okay, go back to do another layout and hurry it up because I want to do some more. Right. You know, I don't know how many times uh, Swenson came in and to me asleep on his couch. I'm like going, fuck, it's like five in the morning. I ain't going to go home and then come back. Yeah. The, I mean, they're going to yell at me anyway <laughs> so it was freezing in there like this yeah and i was like luckily i always wore leather jackets and stuff so i would like cover you know wrap myself up in that and then i would get the thrasher banner and, and wrap up my legs and <laughs> Fuck. yeah i can imagine it's freezing out there but a lot of the things i learned how to do there i was trying 
to do something else. <laughs> and the, the thing is, is that people are like, oh man, people weren't killed. I mean, I noticed a whole bunch of times that it could have been, right. you know, one way or the other by a little bit could have ended badly. Yeah. I, you know, gator's a thing that, a combination of things led to that, what occurred. It's sad. Super um, but sad. He was judged. He's doing his what he was that the judicial system is set up to do. And Have you ever written them? Long time ago. Yeah. yeah. I just not very communicative with many people at all. But, yeah, Jason um, was super bummed. He was Jason's idol. Like he loved Gator, and he still got his board and everything. He's just Jason like Jesse. Yeah. Like, I, I'm friends with Jason pretty good. and uh, I just got a text from him. He sent me his new phone number. Oh, sick. Like, day before yesterday. Rad. Yeah, just the, the circumstances and the combination of things led to that. It's gnarly. You know? What if he got up and went to the movies instead that day? What if he didn't answer yeah. the phone and missed that one call? I mean, it, you know, whatever. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of people... Have, I've seen them in rage and all that stuff. Heck, some of the parties like in Houston and all that stuff. I remember staring down a crossbow of some guy that didn't like the way the skateboarders were done with fucking Cab and Lance like hiding behind me like, fuck! No way. Move will help us. Wait, what the hell? Wait, who the hell is this guy with a crossbow coming at me? Right. And then, fuck. And then uh, Monty Nolder come running up Give me here, asshole! He fuck you! And then I'm like, fuck! I mean, he came at like a beast. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm done here. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of period, when those guys were little, I was the older guy. So, you know, I took care of them and stuff. Right. You know, like, yeah, Tommy, I think his first flight was with you. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> he's like, dude, my first flight. I think he's the story was you and Swenson. Uh, and he's like, that's my first flight ever. <laughs> he's like, it was pretty gnarly. <laughs> did, did he, was he one of the ones that got sharpied on the flight to Japan? I don't know. I know some of those younger guys that were up in the front row, like staying together. Fell asleep and got Yeah, man. And I, think, oh. and I remember um, that... Uh, <laughs> that that Craig Johnson, like a lot of a lot of us took acid before we got on the plane. Damn. Or magic mushrooms, one or the other. So like, I remember sitting in there and it's just like, like on fuck. <laughs> That's loud. <laughs> what is that? Cool. You know. And then <laughs> two seats behind me is Craig Johnson with. A big blast box that he bought at the airport. He had one cassette tape. Andrew Dice Clay. Wow. Yeah, so I'm like... In I'm, the plane. In the plane, blasting it. it. Hickory was... dickory duck. <laughs> Old Mother Hubbard. Holy you know, shit, like, that's fuck. epic. I'm like... And I had never heard of Andrew Dice Clay. I'm like, well, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and then... Um, and then it, it, it was one of those 
big jumbo jet, so it's like it had a middle and then the sides. And then somewhere back in the middle, I forget who it was, but I look, I hear this commotion, and they, and, and then uh, somebody goes, fuck man, he's peeing. <laughs> and I look back and there's these guys climbing over the tops of the seats, trying to get away from the guy who was peeing himself, who had passed out and was like, and they're like, fuck him, he's peeing. What? And then, and then uh, we drank the plane out of alcohol. It only happened once before, but this time, and then the, uh, the stewardesses were crying. And then somehow they, everybody, the, the pilot came over and they were coming to me like, to try to like calm down. Like, well, they're going like coming to me like, you know, the, 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 the voice of reason. The guardian angel. And I'm like, hi, <laughs> on mushrooms or acid, whatever it was. And they're like, the, 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 the goes, I'm the pilot of the plane. Well, what the fuck are you doing back here? <laughs> Who's flying this thing? <laughs> Why are you? He goes, we've had numerous, you know, <laughs> reports of, of uh, disturbances from <laughs> your group. This isn't my group. Oh, it's just a group I'm in. <laughs> They're all big boys. Well, except those guys up there with the stuff on their face. <laughs> you know? And, uh, um, Dad's talking about that. and they go, well, we're going to have to stop serving you alcohol. I'm going, look, those guys are the ones that are fucking up, not me. So bring me six cans of beer, and then I'll tell them to be quiet. <laughs> and so they, I didn't get six cans of beer. I got like three because it was, it, it was gone. Right and out. Yeah, everybody drank everything. And then, um, like Johnson and those guys got the duty free. I think Duncan was might have been on that flight. Hackett was on that flight. Oh shit! Um, and everybody was just lit. Oster was on that flight. The whole, to Europe? No, this is to Tokyo. Oh, that was crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, because at the duty free, they bought like fifths of hard alcohol, so they were like gunning it and on the plane and yeah, anything goes back then you could smoke on the plane and stuff yeah that was i remember that that was crazy we got to the uh, to tokyo and they put us in these limousine buses and so they drove us to the hotel the royal oak hotel yeah, I um, remember. and we go in there into a press conference <laughs> like and then, so we've been up for like 20 something hours you know, I I had to fly down to L.A. We went to L.A. and met up with everybody. Then we flew to, to Japan. Okay. So anyway, we, we go to the press conference. It was November. It was like November, like, 20th. And we're going to be there for a week. You know, and I'm... And so they're like, you know, like, being all nice and gracious and, you know... And we're, like, all stinky and drunk. And then here you got these guys with a sharpie on their face, <laughs> you know, and um, Grasso, he was there. Ah, oh, sick. And then uh, uh, I'm like going, <laughs> raising my hand, and and uh, they're going, yes. I go, 
what the fuck's gonna happen for Thanksgiving? We want turkey. We want. They're going what? <laughs> and so like, oh yeah, you know, you know, or we ain't doing nothing. <laughs> and so they ended up getting this huge banquet table with just all kinds of stuff like big old fish with eyeballs like this all cooked and like on there just like a mountain of food right. i'm like what's this your thanksgiving where Ooh. the fuck's the turkey sushi turkey <laughs> it's in japan i don't know if they have turkeys <laughs> but we you know we ate all kinds of other stuff and and um and then after but but after that the um the uh whatchamacallit the, the press conference then we got it assigned their, the, our rooms i shared a room with jay adams oh yeah that was Heavy. crazy um but then we took off and you know i mean getting up for hours well days or whatever go to the uh we go to uh, the rapungi district or whatever and then um, I got in a fight with an Australian guy who tried pushing me o- away from the bar to like elbow me out of the way to, so he could order. Right. I'm like, oh, hell no. <laughs> oh, hell no. So anyway, I got in a fight with him, threw him over a hedge into the street. <laughs> I mean, drunk, I could do anything. <laughs> and then the reason why I remember the name of the hotel is because I didn't remember the name of the hotel. <laughs> and so I'm like trying to tell a taxi to take me to the hotel. And then he takes me to a hotel and I think it's the but it's the wrong hotel. Oh, and the sun's coming up and I'm like, oh, I can't, you know, I, I'm like fading hard. I need, and I'm at the wrong hotel. And some guy was talking to me and he goes, it was something else park hotel or something royal something that i was at but i was like oh it's one of these names and he goes ah and then so he, what he did is he called the hotel he goes you have a person by this name and he goes yeah and he goes i found it and go, okay good get me into a cab <laughs> and tell him where to take me and so i go in there i walk in the door Jay Adams is coming out of the shower like, all right, just, you know, ready for the day. And I'm just, I'm like, I'm, yeah. (laughs) And so, and that went on for a couple days of us missing each other because I just couldn't get after the jet lag, after everything. Yeah. You know, and then when we went to the, the contest thing, these guys are driving on the half pipe. They go up and do an air, come down and holes right through the ramp wheels poking right through so they had to rebuild the ramp and we're out there standing there drinking these big fifths of vodka like okay oh damn you know fuck amazing more stories like that part two maybe not so quick but i forgot when did mofo become mofo skating like back winchester days like before thrasher oh yeah it became horizon something Fouché, um, right however it's pronounced <laughs> because i would you know date girls or whatever they'd bring me to meet their parents and oh mofo what does that stand for oh, motherfucker 
<laughs> okay. Um, you know, we forgot that she's like got something to do with us tonight, so she's like, yeah, you know, see you again ever. <laughs> okay, I go, you know, this keeps happening. <laughs> and then, so I'm, you know, at, at the, the place up on uh, Petrero Hill, listening to the doors, LA woman, mm -hmm. and it comes to the part that goes, Mr. Mojo Rising, Mojo Rising. And then I'll use the, the, the name of this French general whose name was General Falk. Falk. <laughs> oh. I'll just put an E on the end, and then I'll put two dots over the O's. Because I like dots <laughs> that's, over the O's. That's amazing. And it turns out it's a real name. No way. Yeah. Yeah, because these German people were like, uh, visit Thrasher, and this German woman, she goes, Moritzen. What? Moritzen, that's how it's pronounced. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah, very common name. I'm like, are you shitting me, really? <laughs> wow. And then when I was in Europe, I looked in the phone book. <laughs> oh, yeah? There was just a whole bunch of that, that Moritzen folk. I'm like, holy shit. Oh, well. Another example of like uh, trying to do something and it ends yeah. up a different yeah, way. Trying to do something nonsensical and ends up being real. Holy shit. Well, thanks for spending so much time. Uh, Absolutely. Let's cut out of here, but what song should we drop right now? Uh, the, the final song that we're going to do coming out. How about She Got a Gun? I like it. Yeah. Hell yeah. Thanks, Mo. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Schmidt. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. When you subscribe, you'll get notifications every Tuesday of new episodes the minute they become available. Also, please leave reviews and a five-star rating. It's the best way to help the show grow. All of the episodes will always remain free, but if you would like to help support the show, you can do so at TalkingSchmidt.com, where you can pick up some merchandise like t-shirts, beanies, hats, and stickers. The website has an entire archive of all of the episodes, with extra photos and videos. Email us with any suggestions, comments, or ways that the show may have improved your life at TalkingSchmidt at gmail.com. All interviews are conducted, edited, and produced by Schmitty. The intro music is Mary's Cross by the band Nature. A very special shout-out goes to the executive director, Cheryl Camisa. This is Talking Schmidt, where the Rolodex is deep, but the conversation is deeper.